Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon from Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. Hey, we've got another upcoming event. Uh, Peter referred to it uh, earlier during his communion meditation. Of course, that is our plans for uh, an Easter celebration just in a couple of weeks, right? One of the things we do here at MCC is we provide an Easter morning breakfast. And one of the things that would help us know how much food to order for that would be if you would give us an idea of whether you or how many of you and your crew are going to come be here. You can do that if you would just go to office at marysvillechristian.org and just send Angie a quick head count of that. We'll, you don't need names. You just need a, a nose count or a mouth count, how many plates we'd like. Another, uh, another announcement, though, is just this. The, the question in this series is, uh, are, you playing, are, are you praying it safe? And that's because prayer tends to be nice and generic. Safe. Thank you, God, for the food. Thank you, God, for giraffes, depending on the little ones that you're putting to bed at the time. Bless Mommy and Daddy. Grandma and Grandpa, make my brother stop hitting me. You know, prayers like that. And most of them tend to be self-centered when we pray it's safe. But if you keep on praying it's safe, how will that help you grow spiritually in living the ways of God? How will that help you change? As senior pastor here at Marysville Christian Church, I just want to remind everyone online and here, we're not super godly, super spiritual people. We're just regular, everyday people that, that believe that Jesus can save us from our sins. And he can show us the ways of God. What we do with that and how we choose to respond to following him depends on whether or not we're willing to learn from him and to love like him and to actually look more like him in how we live our life in a way that makes life work and that God is honored. But sometimes we need to be pushed. There's nothing like having your world turned upside down to push you beyond the safe prayers. A number of different times we referred to... Uh, to a, a toddler, Caroline. Caroline's 18 months old, and for the last six months, her family's life has been turned upside down because they've been doing cancer treatments for six of the last 18 months that she's been around. They've done things to her And cancer has done things to her that we wouldn't wish on our worst enemies. For over a year, there's hardly a day gone by that that little girl hadn't thrown up. Tomorrow, she's scheduled for a CAT scan again. 
that will determine whether there's evidence that the cancer remains. Although we're inclined to just pray, God, take it away. We've prayed those prayers before, not necessarily prayers about cancer, but prayers that somebody would be healthy again, that somebody would recover. But maybe, just maybe, the the dangerous prayer that isn't a safe prayer at all is to ask God is to ask God to change us while we wait to see what His will is for her. Would it not be a more dangerous prayer to ask God to give us courage? Would it not be a more dangerous prayer to ask God to give us peace and joy from His presence in our life, whatever happens? We'd love for her to be healthy. We'd love to see her running around our halls. And maybe someday that'll happen. But more than that, more than that, don't we want to run around the halls of heaven together with her? I mean, isn't that really what matters most? And whether that's in a few weeks, or whether that's in a few decades. God, change our perspective of what matters most. You see, we need Jesus to show us that way of living His will, even when it's not what we desire. That was His prayer in Gethsemane, right? Father, not Your will or not my will, but your will be done. So, would you mind joining me now in, in a moment of silent prayer? And I'll let you figure out how safe or how risky you want that prayer to be. And then I'll, in a few minutes, I'll, I'll pray us out of that. Let's bow together. Father, you know your plans for Caroline's life. Here and with you. And you know your plans for Caroline's parents and all of her family. But we don't. So until we know your plans, may you give us boldness and courage May you give us strength and peace while we wait in confidence knowing this, that you love her more than we do. And you know more than we do exactly what she needs most. And that you'll give her exactly what she needs most.
in ways that are absolutely astounding. Father, help us to want what you want. And ultimately, may your blessings be on this child and her family. In Jesus' name, we trust and pray. It's pretty easy for us to have great intentions. Oh, I was going to send them a note. I was going to give them a call. Let them know I was praying for them. But good intentions are no guarantee of a good heart. I mean, after all, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else. And it's incurable. Who can understand it? Now, when he says the heart is more deceitful, the, the word you know, has some synonyms like it's dishonest. Well, you don't know anything about my heart. Well, I know what Jeremiah said, that our hearts tend to be a little perverse. And it's so confusing because it's the heart that drives our feelings, and our feelings can overwhelm what we know every single time. That's why we spontaneously combust periodically and do stupid things. That's why we spontaneously say things that we just try to grab and put back behind our teeth. But we can't unsay it. Things that we wouldn't ordinarily say or do and all we can do is plead temporary insanity. And yet we convince ourselves, oh, well, that's not who we are. And yet out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? The most common lie that people tell is the lie that we tell ourselves. And you know how easy it is for us to get comfortable living in denial. I mean, we've got drapes picked out. We'll remodel denial on a regular basis and make it more comfortable for us. Get a bigger screen TV so that we can still see it. And, and, and we'll do that. We'll make ourselves comfortable in denial instead of being honest with ourselves. And we come up with all kinds of excuses to justify almost anything. One, <laughs> I, I hate to refer to Dr. Phil as a source of wisdom in a sermon, but the parallel is significant because he's known for asking people who have, be, who have gotten comfortable in denial, how's that working out for you? Well, we don't want to connect those two dots. We want to be comfortable, but we don't want to have to be responsible for what we've chosen to do. We still want to make excuses for our pride and the lies that we tell to defend our pride. For the envy that we have that creates jealousy and greed within us, but we don't want to acknowledge that. For the guilt that we feel so we gossip about others to make ourselves feel not so bad or the coping mechanisms that we develop to deal with our crushing fears and the obsessions and addictions that come because of that. And it's true, the most common lie we tell is the lie that we tell ourselves. That's why you find people, even in church, that are like Jekyll and Hyde with their split personalities 
One was driven by his mind and his intellect. It was very objective in his approach to life, while the other was driven purely by emotion and instinct. Knee-jerk reaction. That's why you'll find people even at church that can be completely different people depending on who they're with at the time or where they are at the time. And when we come to the realization that God knows that we're faking it, that realization can be crushing and overwhelming to us. Because nobody wants to live a lie. But can we really take the risk of being honest with God? It's like Adam and Eve who wanted to walk with God. They really did, but they tried to hide from Him at the same time. You can't go two different directions at the same time. You can't walk away from God and walk with God together. Or Israel's King David, who pretended like everything in his life was fine for nearly a year while knowing inside that it really wasn't. God finally sent Nathan, his prophet, with a message that could have been sent to any one of us. Why did you turn your back on what I told you to do? And did what is evil in my sight? Now, if you're not familiar with the story, you can find it in 2 Samuel chapter 12. It's a story of how David tried to cover up his affair with another man's wife that led even, even to manipulating his death in battle. All the while still pretending that everything was fine because he wasn't ready yet to be honest with God. Why would he do that? Well, Jeremiah told us the answer to that because the heart, David's heart, my heart, your heart is more dishonest. It's more deceitful. It's more nuts than anything else and does things that just can't be made sense of. King David knew better, but his heart drove his feelings and his feelings overwhelmed what he knew was right and wrong at the time. He must have been tired of praying it safe when he wrote what he did in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Now, I've developed some, I mean, I'm, this, isn't, this sounds real intelligent here, but it's just a, a, a memory trick for me, okay? Maybe it'll help you too. David starts out with this, search me, God, and know my heart. So I put my hand over my heart when I read this passage. Or if this is a prayer that I pray, I start with, God, you know my heart. You might want to do that too. But he goes on, test me and know my anxious thoughts. And of course, then you know my anxious thoughts. Except if, if it's like me or, or my dad, it's, it's usually not like this. It's more just like this, where you just rubbing your temples. But then it's point out anything in me that offends you. Marysville is country enough. You've driven by a skunk that's recently been killed, haven't you? And it's pretty offensive. Might even make you want to hold your nose. Can you imagine asking God, God, point out anything? that stinks in my life. 
and lead me in the everlasting way. There are sometimes I just wish that God would take me by the hand and pull me along with him. That was David's prayer when he got tired of praying it's safe. You think you might be willing to repeat that with me? You know where it is. You know where it's headed. It starts with this. You can even do the hand motions if you remember, right? David's non-safe prayer is this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Can you say that with me? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you. And lead me in the everlasting way. And if you're like King David and you're tired of praying it's safe, the first step that needs to happen is this. Invite God to search your heart. Here it is. Do the Superman thing, you know, pull, it up, pull your heart open before him, God. Search me and know my heart. It's funny, the thing is, when we say, know my heart, we usually are saying that in self-defense. Well, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I didn't mean to do that. I mean, you know my heart. But that's just it. We say, you know my heart, while trying to hide what really is in our heart. Do you want a more meaningful, deep relationship with God? This is where it starts. But if you seriously ask God to search your heart, be prepared for this. His Spirit will do just that. And you'll probably find yourself convicted by what He finds. His Spirit convicts us of our rebellion our apathy to His ways and His righteousness. His Spirit will convict us of the reality that someday we will have to be accountable for what we've done and said and how we've treated or ignored God. Now, He's not doing it just so we feel guilty. He's not just that toe-stomping, convicting preacher that brings the hellfire and brimstone with Him. The Spirit of God is doing that to help us see what's really there that's offensive to Him. And when we come to grips with that, you'll find the motivation that you need to finally get real with God. If you're tired of praying it's safe, here's the second thing you can do. Invite God to search your heart and reveal your fears. <coughs> Test me and know my anxious thoughts what is it to twist your dreams into nightmares what is it that keeps you awake at night is it a fear of failure <laughs> or maybe a fear of success just because I was able to do it once now everybody expects me to do it all the time I can't keep up that pressure kind of a George Costanza mentality you know Or is it worry about your family? Or worry about your marriage? Is it worries about your career or lack thereof? 
and the pressure and anxiety that comes with having to provide each and every day? Or is it the anxiety of being alone in this world? If you want a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God, invite His investigation. Invite His examination. Welcome that, because what we fear the most usually reveals what we trust God the least with. And at its core, that means that God would describe that as idolatry. Because our anxiety has replaced God. So regardless of what you're facing, it usually fuels our fear of not being in control. And for some of us, that's what we're most afraid of, that we'll have to just trust somebody else to be more responsible than we have been. At its core, God calls that idolatry. But when we're driven by a fear of failure, that usually goes with a fear of rejection because we're convinced that we're just not going to be good enough. And yet, fear doesn't foster a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God, but fear, excuse me, but faith in God does. That's why he says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What if, we, what if we flip that? Does fear make it more possible for you to please God? Or in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Or in 1 John chapter 4 verse 18, perfect love casts out our fear. So when you invite God to examine your heart, he starts to reveal the root cause of our anxiety. And we need his insight. Because again, the most common lie that we tell is the lie that we tell ourselves. Oh no, I'm not perfect, but you know, I, I've got some issues. Yeah, you got issues, all right. But are you honest about that with God? If you're like King David and you're tired of praying it's safe, here's the third thing that he says you can do. Invite God to expose your sin. Point out, oh, I forgot. Point out in me anything that offends you, God. I mean, that's silly, right? But you get the idea that there are things in my life that stink as far as God's concerned. And we need God's help to see our own stuff. Or you might say we need God's help to smell our own stuff. Because we get focused on what others are doing more than on what we've done. We get focused on what's going on in somebody else's life more than looking at what's going on in my life and my walk with God. You see, here's the reality in life. You've probably noticed this already. People tend to accuse others so that they can excuse themselves. <laughs> it breaks my heart to see somebody 
to see somebody get elected to public office, running a campaign on family values, God and family first, and then what happens? You find out that they've got two or three mistresses, they're busted for you know hiring hookers, and, and they've been having a, an, a long time affair with somebody else, and you're thinking, what in the world's wrong with you? Well, the same thing's wrong with me. And probably you. Their heart, like mine, has deceived me and them into excusing that and thinking that as long as nobody knows, it's okay. That's why it breaks my heart when I hear about preachers <laughs> that embarrass their God and His people when their own dark secrets are exposed. And there are plenty of them. Don't forget what Jeremiah said, the heart is more deceitful than anything else. That's why even preachers mess up. Because even the heart of preachers convince themselves, it'll be okay. Nobody will find out. That's why we need the Spirit of God within us to do some spring house cleaning of the stuff that we've been hoarding because we're convinced that, well, I'm, I don't want to get rid of that because I might need that sometime. For mom, <laughs> cottage cheese containers. Dear God, we threw so many cottage cheese containers away. Well, you know, your, your dad may need that to put some screws or bolts in, so don't throw those out. You know. I should have invested in cottage cheese. But there's, there's other stuff in our life, though, that we tend to hoard. Am I willing to give God permission to point out the stuff that I'm hanging on to in my heart? I mean, it says, are you really ready to give God permission to ask you, you really need to keep this? Yeah, I mean, that, that bitterness, you, you really think you need to hang on to that? And that jealousy, you, you, you're going to use that in the future? You're going to use that when you get to heaven with me? Why don't you just get rid of it now? I mean, insert your sin. Insert your hoarder's nest with whatever fits best. <laughs> you really prepared for God to say, You really think you need to hang on to that porn collection? You, you really think you're going to need that? Here are some questions to ask yourself when you invite God to expose your sin. First one's simply this. Am I repeatedly being accused of the same thing? Especially from people that I know care about me? Or what about this? 
what things do I have to keep on rationalizing and explaining to people? Are they the recurring issues that I have to keep coming up with excuses about? Or maybe this one, what am I most defensive about? What accusation is it about, about me that lights my short fuse and causes me to explode and kind of huff and puff and threaten to blow somebody's house down, you know? Or, and so if I just get loud, that'll make him go away and I won't have to face the reality of the truthfulness of what they've said again. If you're willing to stop praying it's safe and humbly ask God to reveal reveal areas of growth. That's what the HR department usually calls it, right? Right before they fire you. Brace yourself to hear the truth because God will hold up some things for you to look at and you'll find yourself being convicted when God says, what, what about this? Pray for humility and courage to accept it and admit it and act on it. Otherwise, you're going to be tempted to just blow it off with, oh, well, you just don't understand. Denying the truth doesn't make it not true, does it? Boy, it's really quiet in here this morning, huh? Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I don't hear anybody snoring, so quiet's all right. But that's just it. Pray, pray for the humility and courage to accept, admit, and act on the truth that God reveals to you. Because God will tell us how to handle the truth when we hear it. There's two things to do. Confess it to God for forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all sin. All sin. Even the embarrassing stuff. He promises to cleanse us from that if we just come clean with Him about that. And the second thing that He tells us to do, I'm not sure which one's more scary, confessing it to God for forgiveness or confessing it to people for healing. But yet that's what James, the brother of Jesus, says in chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. Hmm. If you're tired of praying safe, here's the fourth thing he tells you to do. Invite God to lead you away from that sin. Lead me in the way everlasting. <laughs> Here's why the wheels usually come off. Because the approval of others means more to us than the approval of God. And we're more intimidated by the disapproval of others than we are intimidated by the disapproval of God. When God reveals that to you, it'll show you what you need to change course in. That's kind of a, another way of describing what the Bible says is repentance. Change your, change your ways. Change the direction you're headed in. If we'll change the direction we're headed in so that we're no longer headed away from God, but now we're headed to Him, guess what? You'll find your way to Him. No matter what it is that got you off track, you need the guidance of God to redirect your life. Pride? 
<laughs> he specializes in that. He'll humble you and get you back on track toward him. Anger, because, you know, we live with stupid people that do stupid things that make my life harder. Uh, yeah, his spirit will convict you of that and will give you peace if you're willing to hold on to that instead of your anger. Denial about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Well, it doesn't matter what he says. That was old back, that's Old Testament. Well, that's Old Bible. That's 2,000 years ago. This is our culture today. And everybody knows that it's okay. You don't have... Whatever God shows you is there in your heart, know this. It will point you back to your need for Jesus Christ. For years, religious teachers have taught that all you had to do was keep their rules and you'd be right with God. So imagine how much of a breath of fresh air it was to hear about God's mercy and grace. But with all the emphasis on how God will forgive all sins, which is true, there's also that unintended side effect of a heart that's more deceitful than anything else that convinces us that it's okay to live like Jekyll and Hyde without regard for the ways of God because if God is going to forgive it anyway, then I can do what I want. It'll be okay. And yet somehow we forget that living like that is what alienates us from God in the first place and why we need to be rescued from the consequences of those deceitful desires that said, I know what God says, but man, this really feels awesome. We need a Savior. And that's why Paul would write to the Colossians about the Savior that we have. He would say it this way in chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. At one time, when you were in denial, when you were walking away from God, when you were excusing your life of doing whatever you felt like doing, saying whatever you felt like saying, letting your feelings determine what you were going to do and how you were going to live your life. At one time, he says, you were separated from God. You were enemies in your mind because of your evil ways. Well, I'm not evil. I'm just not perfect, right? No, he says, if, if you're alienated from God, you're evil. And what you've done is so offensive and repulsive to God that there's no room in His life and His world for you. But because Christ died, here's the great news. God has brought you back to Himself. Christ's death has made you holy in God's sight. I, I've never thought of myself as holy. God does because of Jesus. Not because of what you did that was offensive to him and stunk to high heaven. But because of what Jesus did that washed you clean. Invite God to lead you away from sin and lead you in the way everlasting. And that's what Paul would say to the Romans in chapter 6, verse 21. He says, you're now ashamed of the things that you used to do. Anybody else in here could raise their hand if I ask you to about that? Yeah. 
There are plenty of things I'm embarrassed about that I used to do. There are plenty of things that I'm glad that mom and dad never found out about before they passed. And there are more things that I'd be mortified about if it were known to be true. How about you? You are now ashamed of the things that you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But the next verse, in verse 22, says, but since you've been liberated from sin. I love that phrasing. You've been set free. You've been liberated. And you're now, you're now enslaved to God. You get the benefit of being made holy, set apart for God, and the end result of that is eternal life. The payment for sin is death. But the undeserved gift, I originally memorized that, the free gift of God. But the phrasing of an undeserved gift really spoke to me. And that undeserved gift is eternal life in Christ as our Lord. You see, He's the good shepherd who laid down His life for His flock. And as our shepherd, He leads us to those green pastures and quiet waters. He renews our life and He leads us on the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Because His name and His reputation are on the line for those who give their life to Him and invite Him to lead them away from sin. When you invite God to lead you away from sin, know this to be true. He'll show you exactly what's keeping you from Him. And it'll scare you. It'll embarrass you. And it'll convince you that there's no way that God can ever get past that. When you invite God to lead you away from sin, He'll lead you down the path that leads back to Him. The only question is whether or not you're willing to follow His lead on your way to eternity. David, at this point, while you and the praise team join me back on stage, I'll wrap up with this overview of Psalm 139. In the first six verses of Psalm 139, David essentially says, Lord, you know me. You know who I am. And in verses 7 through 12, he says, I know there's no hiding from you. In verses 13 through 18, he says, I know that you know everything there is to know about me. And then in the last part of it, in 19 through 24, he says, I really do want to be yours, Lord. So show me anything that would get in the way. If you're tired of praying it safe, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 is just what you need. <laughs> you remember, right? Invite God to search your heart. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Invite God to reveal your fears. Test me, God, and know my anxious thoughts. 
Invite God to expose your sin and show me if there's anything that offends you. And ask God to lead you away in His way everlasting. While we sing this next song, one of our shepherds will be in the prayer room here off to the side to meet privately with any of you that are willing to reach out to God with whatever that means. If it's a need of encouragement or wisdom and guidance on how to get back on track with God or simply prayer asking God the dangerous, risky things instead of just the safe things. Maybe that even means that you need to make arrangements to be baptized into Christ, that you can be washed by His blood, filled with His Spirit. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me to know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me in your way. Everlasting. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at marysvillechristian.org.